Hello. Welcome back to the Texas Rangers Won the Pennant podcast. As always, I am one half of your hosting crew, Wes Tolleson, joining you from Dallas, Texas, where I'm very proud to be this evening. Walker Lott <laughs> joins us from College Station, which is a little bit too close to Houston for yeah. my liking. But Walker Lott, quick thoughts on Texas a- or Texas two years removed from losing 100 games. They come back, they beat the evil empire in the ALCS <laughs> back, back to the World Series for the first time since 2011. Your thoughts? I mean, I, when it happened, I cried, man. Like, I, I legitimately did. I'm not even going to cap. Like, that is the first team in my lifetime that has made a championship that I can actually, like, truly remember. Like, in 2011, when we went to the World Series and the Mavericks won, you know, I could remember parts of it. But I will remember that moment, that last, you know, last out for the rest of my life. Man, it was just a monumental moment in my life and all of DFW. I was stressed to the last out. I could not like, but man, uh, what a, what a, what a win. And uh, all I will say is probably they're going to have to name Minute Maid after Adolis Garcia for how much he dominated the shows this series. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there, there's so many things I can say and so many emotions running through um through my body. I know we have a significant um viewership from Houston, a lot of which are probably Astros fans. Uh yeah. to, to you, I will very cordially say uh the dynasty is dead. Adolis Garcia killed it. Uh <laughs> Rangers to the pennant. Texas baseball runs through Arlington from this point forward. But but yeah, it was fantastic. There, I'll I'll say this, and we'll move on because it isn't a baseball pod. Or it's not a Rangers baseball podcast. Um, the Rangers, the first team that I ever followed my lifetime. Yeah. Um, I've been following them since like Mark Teixeira and Hank Blaylock played. I was six years old. Uh, this I I have said it several times, and I will I will double down on it now. I would trade thirty years of A and M going five and seven for a single Rangers ring. That is how much that would mean to me. It, I, I need it like I need air in my lungs to breathe. But that being said, uh, over the moon this evening, you'll you'll probably notice I'm a little emotionally drained um, from the emotions of the past three yeah. days regarding Rangers baseball. But uh, fantastic, I'm so- over the moon. Now you all get TXPS after dark because it is now officially after game seven and it is 1153 at night and we are recording this episode. So, uh, yeah, this is this is going to be a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, I mean, if we can go back and there's probably four or five episodes in our history that have gone significantly past midnight, every single one of them, you can tell <laughs> yeah. very easily because it just it's, it's some insane things come out of our mouth because we're sleep deprived and just the takes fly. We will see. Thankfully, we we recorded this backwards. So we did picks first, although that's not the order you'll see it in. So at least picks are a little bit more civil. So, somehow we might get off the rails in the game recaps, but who knows? Crazier things have happened. But Getting into some high school football after about five minutes of Rangers rambling. In terms of pick records, Walker, you went 14 and five last week. I went 12 and seven. Uh, after a couple of weeks of getting a game or two back on you, I fall to five games below you. You are 127 and 38. I went 122 and 43. Uh, your thoughts on, on getting a five game lead this late in the season, which is pretty hard to give up. Yeah, I feel like this has to be the best record anyone has done so far, right? Like only 30 losses. We'll have to check with Ryan, of course, because he'll want to take that crown. But man, uh, yeah, that is that's a phenomenal record so far. Um, Very, very proud of my guys. All all the teams I picked right. 
I'm very angry with all the teams I picked wrong, but yeah, it's a good record so far. Let me see. I'm doing some quick math. Uh, again, the picks weren't quite the same. At this point uh, last year, I was 106 and I was 106 and 46. 106. We, we will we will cut after, while I do some quick math. A few moments later. All right. So after some quick math um, that I relied on my phone calculator for Walker, you are at a 75% win clip at this point in the year. I was at a 69% win clip at this point last year. So I, I, I didn't go back to 2021. Walker or Ryan did have a pretty good year then. But in terms of the last two years, yes, this is the best record that anyone's had up to this point. So congratulations. Um, I don't know what odds are me making up five games this late in the season. Um we'll see it, it's it's in it's in um yeah we'll see anyways that being said that concludes all of our analysis on the pick records we will now move into the scoreboard recap presented by txps media you all know the rules as always we are going to do one sentence per game excluding the five games on the left hand column because we will detail those in more depth Later, so starting with Bishop Lynch losing to Preston Wood, sixty-nine to twenty-one. Nice, nice. Preston Wood, keep it up. I want to have a great uh, last game of the season against Parrish. So keep the momentum up, please. Absolutely. Antonian beats Saint Pius, thirty-eight to twenty-eight. A little close for comfort. However, a win's a win. Yeah, a win's a win. Antonian put up thirty-eight against a okay St. Pius team. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Antonio, man. Okay. Might be generous. I like St. Pius, but they're, uh, I would have liked to see Antonio win that by a little bit more central Catholic beats Concordia Lutheran 33 to 27 sad day for my adopted squad. Shout out to the buttons, man. They're not a bad squad this year, even after losing a lot of talent over the past couple years. Midland Christian beats Fort Worth Christian 52 to 21 back on track after the Liberty bulldozer. Yeah. Midland does not slow down in this one. Bradley Perez is that guy. Faith beats Coram Deo 65 to 21 Coram Deo burners comma. Where are you at? Question mark. Shout out to Sebek, man. Like that's all I have to say to that. Ridiculous. Hyde Park beats Brownsville St. Joseph's 34 to 24. Uh, Carter Brock, good at football. Very good at football. And uh, Hyde Park is looking very solid in Division Two this year. Second Baptist beats Lutheran South 27 to 7. J.D. Crisp, good at football and baseball. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Cantoon finally being back these past two weeks. Having a quarterback at the helm like him uh, means very a lot of success for that Second Baptist squad this year. Covenant Christian beats Lake Country Christian 42 to 14. Uh, yeesh. Uh, not what not what the Eagles needed. Yeah, I did not see this one coming, but you know, shout out to Vernon Wells, uh, first year under the helm, and yeah, he is he's cooking with that Covenant squad this year. Dallas Covenant beats McKinney Christian twenty eight to twenty one. Shout out to Dallas Covenant, always uh traditionally my my favorite of the Covenant schools. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, yeah, shout out to Dallas Covenant, man. That's a big win over uh, a solid squad in McKinney Christian. Bay Area Christian beats Brentwood 35-27. to 27. Train keeps rolling for Bay Area. As always, need to know more about this Bay Area Christian squad. I might just have to, you know, deep dive this weekend into this Bay Area Christian squad. So, because they, 
they're not bad. They could be the team to watch out for in the semifinals in the South of Division Three this year. Yeah, I definitely think so. Speaking of the D3 South, Cypress Christian Pete's Magnolia Legacy Prep 47-2 zip. Goodness gracious. Um, yeah. Yeah, I did not see this coming. Legacy Prep I thought was a pretty solid squad. It would score a lot of points, at least some points. Definitely did not see zero. Shout out to that Cypress defense, which with Chris Hogan as the helm, as we always say, that defense is always coming ready to play. Sacred Heart beats Mercy Culture Prep 41 to 13. I was told Raybuck would be back. I feel I was bamboozled. Bamboozled, led astray, run amok, and flat out deceive. Shout out to Stephen A. Smith. But yeah, shout out to Ryan Zorzinski and company, man. They're, you can always count on them to give me wins here and there. Central Texas Christian beats Shiner St. Paul 42 nothing. Good Lord. Uh, Central Texas Christian, have a day. As we said, Hallettsville and Central are the two new powers in the south of Division Four, which Sean are taking a little bit of a step back. And uh big, big win with Tabor Tyson, who had, I think, had five touchdowns or something like that in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shout that out to him, man. Country Day beats Oak Ridge 52-13. Um, it's, it's what they needed. I, I can't take a whole lot from that game. Oak Ridge is bad. Country Day is pretty good. Yeah, uh, for the Christian squad, shout out to Edwards over there and the rest of those guys, man. They're a solid squad, and they showed it in a, in a, in a win over an Oak Ridge squad, who is 1-7, but is a pretty tough squad. Absolutely. Dallas Christian beats Brook Hill 55-3. At some point in the third quarter, uh, Brook Hill had not converted a first down. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, Dallas Christian keep rolling. That's all I'll say. Victoria St. Joseph's beats San Antonio TMI 49 to 27. Shout out to the Flyers. So good way to make a name for yourself. Yeah, like kind of Bay Area, I'd love to know more about this Victoria St. Joseph squad. They're a very solid squad and a big win, big win over a team like San Antonio TMI. Regents beats St. Anthony 77 to 0. Um, get Regents out of this district, parentheses make it make more geographic sense than you already are though in parentheses yeah uh nothing much to say regents is regents keep going liberty beats scs 49 to nothing it, it what is there to say here like i said with regents there's not much to say liberty's liberty keep going <laughs> parish episcopal beats nolan catholic 56 to 13 like walker said there's not much to say here parish is parish keep moving retweet let's keep going <laughs> Hi, I'm Waverly West, a Texas private school media intern out of Brazos Christian School, and I'm going to be recapping last week's game when Shiner St. Paul traveled to Central Texas Christian. Central Texas Christian jumped on Shiner in the very beginning of the game and never let up, scoring 14 points in the first quarter. Their defense didn't allow any points, and they ended up winning 40 to nothing. This win was largely aided by Tabor Tyson's efforts on the ground. He rushed for 266 yards on 18 carries and totaled 353 total yards. Central Texas is now 4-4 on the season, while Shiner is 4-5. This game might mean that there's a new king in the south of Taps Division 4. Both teams have two games left in the season. Central Texas plays Hallettsville Sacred Heart in their last game of the season, which will be a hugely competitive of Taps Division 4. Thanks for listening. Hey y'all, my name is Landon Hayes and I'm with TXPS Media, and I just wanted to go over the Midland Christian versus Fort Worth Christian game last week. So first, looking at Fort Worth Christian coming over an unheard of loss of 85-13 against Liberty Christian, 
with them now trying to get a win in one of the most arguably competitive divisions in TAPS. And then going over to Midland, they just had two losses to All Saints and also Liberty, trying to secure a win in those last two games. Looking at the stats from this game, Midland had a pretty even pass run game with two passing touchdowns by 2024 Colt Newsom and four running touchdowns by Bradley Perez, Grant Muniz, and Colton Newsom, while Fort Worth Christian only had three passing touchdowns by 2024 Luke Dodd. Fort Worth Christian's running game was weaker with Midland's D-line, which had three sacks by 2026 Vic Sular and Isaiah Matthews. The game result was 52-21, with Midland gaining a district win, while Fort Worth Christian is looking for a win in their next two games. Now, looking at the games next week, Midland goes on their bye week, while Fort Worth Christian goes down to Southwest Christian to play a game that will be pretty close and a pretty good game, with both teams looking for their first district win to secure their spot in the playoffs. And now, as I just come to a close, make sure to follow my Twitter, at TXPS Landon Hayes, and have a great night. But yeah, all that being said, that is the TXPS Media Football Scoreboard. Shout out to Ryan Schroeder for putting that together, as always. Fantastic yeah. content to <laughs> see teams from around the state. We both just yawned. Yeah. Getting old. I remember I remember the days I could go until like 2.30 in the morning. No problem now. I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm an old man. But So now we're going to jump into some games to recap from last week. First being Fort Bend Christian at the Woodlands Christian Academy. Walker, you were at this game. So just go ahead. Tell us what you saw. Why did, uh, uh, why did you pick TWCA to begin with? I thought, you know, one thing I didn't know going into the game was uh, uh, 2025 linebacker Grayson Boker was going to be out half the game to never to not stop the run during inside the you know in the middle, um, and other things. I just thought they were going to look a lot better. But Fort Bend started out strong and didn't look back. Uh, started out with a game with a drive during the Altuve home run in Game Five. That was the first drive of the game. Was also that one. So, but who's in the next round, baby? Who's in the next round? Anyway, it's not the point. Um, Romarian Tillman got Romarian Tillman was RTXPS player of the game. Uh, two touchdowns in the first half, over probably 100 yards rushing the entire game. Um, he reminds me a lot of Romarian uh, of Chase Garnett West, of where he just runs strong and tough and physical, where he always lands forward. He can go left and right, and he has a good acceleration, but he always lands forward and lands strong and hits hard. Uh, but he's a good running back to have there. The Katie transfer is a really great addition to the squad. But two touchdowns by him in the first half with Jordan Montanez as well with 66 yards on the ground with another touchdown, a 34-yarder, I believe. Um, yeah, that was the first half. And, you know, we talked about this whole offseason, the start of the season. Okay, okay, offensively, right? Fort Ben, what do they do losing Brady Dever, losing all these receivers? What do you do? What, how do they handle it? Oh, well, they flip the whole script and they run the ball. And they're from this game, they're very, very good at it. Um, yeah, you know, they their offenses try to figure out exactly their identity. And I think I think they found it in this one. A big win. Started out strong. I want to say, man, like what? Probably I don't even know the the halftime score. The halftime score into into the first it was twenty one nothing at halftime it was thirty one nothing it was all them in the first half the defense came ready to play shout out to Coach Mack over there he was cooking I believe there was a stat that all defensive linemen had a turnover uh um it was just impressive multiple sacks by Ivan Jamie Ducksworth was our defensive player of the game on the other side sack uh 
a sack and a half, a force, a force fumble, uh, multiple tackles. It was a great day for him and the rest of that, uh, rest of that defensive line. What I thought was interesting because Jonathan Vidal was a guy I didn't know much about. I watched him in the spring. He was a good, he had a good arm, but what makes him special is his ability to run the ball or be able to be mobile, 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 and um, mobile. And he was running around doing his thing. But in this game, he definitely couldn't because what they did was they put Max Granville at linebacker, a stand-up linebacker, and just said, not today. And sack, a sack and a half, or sorry, a sack and a half for Granville, nine quarterback pressures, over nine tackles. Uh, I believe he also had a forced fumble. Uh, yeah, like the kid balled out today and also had a 62-yard screen for a touchdown. Um, no defensive lineman should be doing that. And that just talks about how special of an athlete it is. If no college has not looked at them, they already all have. They've already all offered them. Um, if you haven't go watch this tape, go watch it. It is, it is fun to watch. And he is a sensational athlete and one of the best players in Texas for that reason. Um, yeah, great, great player and great game. But, uh, yeah, he kept Vidal in check. And Vidal threw a couple interceptions. Uh, Jordan Rogers, the, the DB who, you know, we picked in our draft for, in the off season uh, is a great player. And he had an interception as well. Multiple other guys, they had a great game and four was just dominant. And before the game, of course, when I picked TWCA through their shirt and uh, yeah, I'm wearing y'all now, uh, whatever. Yeah. I'm wearing y'all now. And this is, I'm doing the overshirt guys. I'm sorry. This is like two sizes too small. And uh, yeah, that's why I have to have the overshirt, but yeah, you you get the Fort Bend logo here today. So yeah, uh, great win for y'all. Uh, TWCA, uh, I think they can. You know, if in the second half they were they, they were better stopping the run, especially at the middle when Boker was in, and I think Boker is also like a true Division One talent. Yeah, he ran. He had six two to six three. He ran a four five at a camp this summer. Like the kid's insane, man. Um, he's a great player, and I'm excited to see him grow for the next couple of years. Jonathan Vall, as a senior, I think a college should definitely take a chance on him. I think he's a good quarterback there in the Woodlands, and they have a couple other pieces that are going to be good. But yeah, those two guys kind of stood on that side. But yeah, big, big win to Fort, for Fort Bend, kind of finding their identity in this one, and definitely proved me wrong. But shout out to those guys. It was fun watching them for the first time this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great squad. You you said it all. Um, I think yeah. you know once once you get an offer from Alabama, I don't really think you need our help in, in getting recruited anymore. So shout out to Max Granville. Um, great team. Also, would like to say Walker. I wore that same shirt. Um, fishing today along with my first Baptist hat. So I was like I said, if if you send or give us merchandise, we will wear it. It's not going oh, to yeah. sit in our closet because all this merch is somehow fantastic. All these schools just keep outdoing themselves, but. But yeah, fantastic effort from the Eagles in that one. Moving on to a game that I am less excited to recap. Legacy Christian out of Frisco gets a win over Grace Community. Junior Ian Pulte accounts for all four Eagle touchdowns as Legacy cements themselves a top district two with a win over Grace Community. Pulte threw for 207 yards and four touchdowns to three receivers and senior Kyle Morgan with two and one apiece to freshman Corian Gray and senior Hunter Ladd. Will Mello, Wes Norris, and Sam Jones account for 12 tackles for loss as Legacy claimed the best linebacking corps in the state, and they now have the proof to back it up. So I feign, you know, I feign like uh, resent and all that stuff. It's a great win uh, for Legacy Christian. Um, they they're a great team. 
Um, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I not only picked Grace because they're alma mater, I genuinely thought that they were the better team heading into this matchup. I was obviously incorrect. Um, great win for the Eagles. Um, they have a good chance now to go out and win the district. And, you know, it'll, it'll raise a question. It'll raise a question that we have every year that can the champion of district two beat the worst team or beat the, beat the team that sneaks in the playoffs from district one. So it'll be interesting. You have any comments from this game, Walker? Um, great win. I chose legacy for a reason. I got the ghost of Ryan Schroeder to do it. Shout out to him. It was great having him on for, you know, a minute or so, but, um, yeah, big win for them. I'm excited to see them, you know, continue and grow. Um, man, I really wanted y'all to win, man. So we could have the SES grace matchup in week one, probably, but y'all let us down and hopefully my Eagles don't let us down later. Uh, this week but yeah big big win for legacy shout out to Pluton company that yeah like you said that sam jones west norris will mellow that linebacking du- trio is is pretty dang good and they showed it this week yeah absolutely great output by liberty or legacy christian there's there's too many teams to start with l i get tripped up <laughs> but great output from the eagles i'll just say that moving on into the next game to recap john cooper at trinity valley junior Gavin Parkhurst accounts for 437 all-purpose yards, 112 coming on the ground, and three touchdowns as the Trojans all but cement a spot in the title game with a victory over Cooper. Junior Ben Nagishu and senior Tucker Howell also get touchdowns on the ground here with two and one respectively, while Tucker reeled in two more through the air for three total on the evening. Junior head knocker Jacob Maynard has a monster game of 16 total tackles, 12 of them being solo, while Rainer Williams picks up two tackles for loss as well. So, Walker, TVS, this was a game they needed to take care of business, and Cooper has obviously had their number over the past couple of years, even though it's it's a different Cooper team. Your thoughts on TVS taking care of business against a uh, Cooper squad that's better than people think? Yeah, no, that's a big win. And like we've talked about forever, I think Gavin Parkhurst is that guy with 437 all-purpose yards. And he's kind of like, I'm not going to say he's exactly like him because I don't, but like a Josh Allen type role where he's a bigger guy, but he can run the ball as well. And he's very athletic for his size. Um, If you can find me a better comparison, that would be good. But I'm kind of going to roll with that one. But uh, Gavin Parkhurst is that dude, man. And he had a big game this one with everyone else that you said. And if he can do that this week, I'm excited to see how the Trojans will do uh, come state championship time. But yeah, big, big win for TVS over a team like John Cooper where, hey, Dean Calhoun still has another year in him, man, and he is going to come for revenge next year. So mark my words on that. Yeah, that'll be crazy, Senior Dean Calhoun. But if if the cards all fall the way that they should, um, a TVS Houston Christian championship game is going to be one of my favorite championship matchups in recent memory. You know, we have I think almost almost all championship games that we've gone to in the previous few years, we have pretty much known who the champions are going to be walking into it. I, I really like these games where you walk into it and you're like, it is a daggum coin flip who wins this title. I think that's what we'll get if Houston Christian and TVS play, but you know, I'm speculating too far in the future. There's a lot of ball to be played before them. So we will just move on to another SPC matchup. Kincaid at Episcopal and Episcopal escapes an upset bid by the Falcons and plays their way to the title with a 42 to 35 win over the Kincaid school. This was for lack of a better term, the Brandon Thomas show. 
The junior ran the ball 35 times for 285 yards and five touchdowns in one of the more dominant efforts I have ever seen from an athlete. Carson Gordon also found Ty Blevins for an additional night's touchdown and resulted in one of the better quotes I've read. Blevins says, quote, that wasn't even in the playbook, actually. It was kind of drawn up on the sidelines. I didn't think he was going to throw it. I saw three dudes hanging on his legs. I saw the ball quacking at me, and I reached out. God allowed me to catch it, and I walked in. It was awesome. Shout out to the Houston Chronicle for that quote. But that's, I just found that hilarious. It kind of summed up just, you know, what it, what it meant for EHS to get that win. I've also got to shout out Miles Rader and David Campobianco on very solid performances for Kincaid, even in the loss. Um, it's going to set up an interesting game with Kincaid and St. John's that we will preview here later. But in terms of this one, Walker, we both had Kincaid or we both had EHS, although we were very uncomfortable with the pick given Kincaid's tendency to overperform in clutch situations. Your yeah. thoughts on EHS actually taking care of businesses here. You know, I want to say that is something that I really came impressed. I came away impressed by this EHS team is where Kincaid started off strong, right? It was 14 nothing Kincaid. And maybe in past years, that Bel Air team would have maybe quit, you know, been like, okay, this is just not a year. They would have remembered the last year, last state championship, and been like, okay, this is it's just what we do. But no, they came back, beat, you know, was taking the lead for the longest time. And even then, when Kincaid said, no, no, I'm still going to fight back. They never wavered and still won that game. Even when they tied it back up, Carson Gordon and BJ Thomas went down the field and won that game. And that is just what you won that team, man. That is it's just so and so impressive of the fight and these guys over there. Um, but yeah, big, big win for the Knights over there in Bel Air. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, you know, we will we we've said it before, but championship teams not only win the big games there they win the ones they're supposed to i don't know which one this game was because they yeah. were supposed to beat Kincaid based on talent but it's also a huge game i digress great win for ehs nonetheless which brings us to our final game to recap from last week love it christian at dallas first baptist and um it was I was right in my prediction of who won. I was wrong in my assumption that it would be very close. First Baptist beats Lubbock Christian 47 to 22. Keep in mind, Lubbock Christian was without star quarterback Welker Horn, but I don't know if Welker accounts for almost 30 points. This was a, this was a route, and to be honest with you, um, it wasn't even that close. It was really like 47 to 7 um first baptist um lubbock christian got a couple scores in garbage time just overall a dominant performance from dallas first baptist and i'll start with hunter mccoy i've said several times before mccoy is the key that unlocks this first baptist offense and allows guys like elijah Kaysen, um Dominic Sadu and caleb mitchell to do their jobs effectively that's not to say that they can't do it without um, Hunter McCoy, they did last year, but he makes it so much easier with his ability to open up the defense with his legs, to hit them in stride. It's just very impressive. And all those three guys, um, I'll start with Elijah Kaysen. Elijah Kaysen is the most underrated guy in the state, and I will say that forever. If the ball gets in his hands, it's a coin flip whether he scores. He is absolutely insane. More colleges need to take a look at him. I've gotten some word on the horizon that there's probably bigger offers coming um he deserves every bit of it hardest worker in the room absolute dog and both caleb mitchell and dominic sadu both of these are d1 power five in my opinion quality guys um on this first baptist team 
it's it's so crazy that they're in D4. Cajun went for a 99 receiving yards. Mitchell went for 71. Dominic Sadu had 35 on a single reception and a touchdown. All of them had touchdowns. Um, absolutely insane receiving core. Um, the last guy I want to hit on is Mark Rayson, our other TXPS media player of the game, aside from Elijah Kazen. You know, all the offensive guys get a lot of get a lot of love. And while Rayson is an offensive guy and a great running back, he's one of the better linebackers I've seen at any level this year. This dude goes and absolutely waylays people. I'll have to go back and find it in his huddle, but there was a couple plays where there was a ball carrier in pretty open space. And you're watching him in one second, there's no one around him. And the next second, Rayson is hitch sticking him five yards in the other direction. He's ferocious, whether he's carrying the rock or punishing ball carriers. He is fantastic. He's a great player. Um, yeah, also George um and and Augustus, I always butcher his name, the freshman quarterback slash linebacker at First Baptist. He's going to be great for years to come. He's making fantastic plays right now. He led the team in tackles at linebacker with uh he had 10, so he was second on the team. Fantastic. He also got in for a play and threw an absolute nuke to to Dominic Sadu. Um, that kid is going to be great after Hunter McCoy gives up the reins. All that to say, First Baptist is is back in a big way. They submit themselves as undoubtedly the favorites in Division Four. Walker Lott I spoke a lot to that game. Any any thoughts that you have on First Baptist just dominating Lubbock Christian? No, I'm just I came away very impressed, and I know you know they were without Walker Horn, which is a huge loss for them. Is he out for the season? Is that what it is? No, um, by what I got from the Hub City Preps article and talking to his dad, it's going to be about three more weeks to a month. All right, so this could be a rematch where they could see he could be back for that semifinal matchup against each other. Oh yeah. Okay, so that's huge for for Lovey Christian. So I'm not. I I think I think it's a statement win. Like we said before the game, it's a statement win for for First Baptist, which, um, they desperately needed. Um. I'm just very, very came away very impressed. You know, Lavorne came in a couple of years ago trying to revamp this program. With you know, when we started this, they had the likes of Josue Preza and Josh Little, I believe that was his name, and others. And seeing the turnaround of talent where Elijah Kaysen comes in and Caleb Mitchell and Dominic Sadu Robinson, and you add not just those guys where they have the Division One offers, but guys like Mark Rayson and George Agnostis or whatever his name is. Um, I forget how you say his last name. Uh, but the, those guys, Core Thomas, other guys like that, those are the guys who are going to win them the state games. And they played phenomenally last week. Um, big, big win for Dallas First Baptist. Yeah, absolutely. Going to hopefully set up um, a more competitive championship matchup if both teams make it that far. But that being said, that's all that we have to cover regarding games from last week. So we will transition into our other news segment, starting with one of my personal favorite segments that we do. Do they cover? So starting, as always, with the team that inspired the segment, Dallas Christian. Does Dallas Christian cover? Last week, they did, in fact, cover against Brook Hill. This week, they are 41.5-point favorites against McKinney Christian. Yes, they cover. The spreads never seem to catch up to the D.C. point spreads. Yeah, no, uh, they definitely cover. Move on. Does Parrish cover? This week, they are 40.5-point favorites against Trinity Christian Addison. Uh, 
not as not as a sure bet for me with DC, but yeah, sure they they cover that against TCA. Uh yeah, for sure. Um, the TCA defense is not is a pretty solid, but I don't know about that offense. Give me Parish in this one. Does Liberty cover last week? Sadly, they did in fact cover this week. They are 19 and a half point favorites worth as Fort Worth All Saints. So even the model understands that All Saints isn't the same quality of team that they've been playing in previous weeks. Do they cover a 19 and a half point spray against All Saints? I'm I going think- to say I'm going to say no to hedge my bets and also not not give away the pick, although you can probably guess more or less. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say it's within 19 and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna save my answer to that one for later. That, that's that's fair. So does Dallas first Baptist cover last week? Yes, they did cover this week. They are 36 and a half point favorites against Tyler TK Gorman. This is the easiest one on the board, even easier than DC. Yes. Uh, first Baptist, um, if I'm gonna have to put a score on it, first Baptist is going to beat Gorman in the neighborhood of 70 to nothing. Uh, I can I can almost guarantee you that will be exactly right. Uh, Gorman is horrible. First Baptist is really good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, give me give me First Baptist. I think they easily cover this. Absolutely. So. All that being said, that is the Do They Cover segment. And uh, with that being said, let's let's pick up a special guest to pick some games, but not before we hear from our good friends at High Point Signs and Apparel, the gracious sponsors of this program. Uh, listen, this this is these guys are fantastic. Walker, we've spoken at length. They're the guys that we ran our entire merch line through. They are they are great. It's very daunting to look down at a project of that magnitude and think. I don't, I don't know if I can trust anyone to help me get this done and to execute the vision that we have. Um, I can say with personal experience and high confidence that High Point Science and Apparel does that fantastically. They don't miss deadlines. They provide exceptional customer service. They will meet or beat any price that you bring to them. They also create online stores that can provide your employees with apparel or they can be profit centers. Walker, in my opinion, just the the most top-notch professional company that we've worked with. Fantastic. No matter if you're going for apparel or you need signs, they can do it all. Your thoughts on High Point. Yeah, they they truly are phenomenal people to work with. Um, I have nothing but great things to say about them. We're excited to work with them more in the future on every other project we will do. Um, but yeah, they're just great people and great uh, a great company to work with. Whether you, like you said, hey, like I always say, playoffs are coming up. If you do need playoff shirts, there's no one better to call than High Point Sense of Play Apparel. Please reach out to them. They're easy to work with, and they'll all help you out with all the designs, anything you need with that thing, especially with signs, whether you need to put them up in your school or anywhere else. Definitely reach out to High Point Signs and Apparel uh, for your uh, anything you need for high signs or apparel. Yeah, absolutely. So as always, shout out to High Point Signs and Apparel. Thank you for sponsoring this episode. The links to uh, High Point are in the show notes. Please go click on those, schedule a consultation with them. They are fantastic. They get the TXPS vote of confidence. But thank you again to High Point Signs and Apparel. And as always, we are back into my favorite segment of the week with a special guest for the second consecutive week due to some very, very interesting SPC matchup this week. Jack Klosek, welcome back. How is New York and how are you doing? Wes, I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. The Astros lost tonight, which as a Yankees fan, I can I can be happy with. 
not a Rangers fan by any stretch of the means, but you know, the, uh, the Astros have beaten my Yankees in three ALCSs dating back to 2017. So I can, I can rock with the Rangers. Um, and then, you know, last Friday was a little bit tough for me, obviously um, Kincaid losing to a pistol by a touchdown after just a, a really tremendous effort coming back from down 21 with about 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, but, you know, I'm excited to get into it. We have a couple interesting scenarios this week and, it's Kincaid St. John's week, one of the oldest rivalries in the state of Texas that will be played this Friday night at Rice University. Yeah, absolutely. Walker, I, I don't know if you confirm that's the game that you're going to be at, but if, if it is, I'm very jealous. Are you saying that it is? Yeah, you know, the only other game is go, driving up to DFW for, you know, the game you're going to be at probably. So, uh, but I decided, I think I have not seen both teams in a while and I haven't seen Kincaid at all. So I think it's time to go down there to Rice and go watch that game. I think that's smart. I'm a broken record, but that is probably my favorite atmosphere I've ever viewed a game in. There are people tailgating. It's wild for a high school football game. It's it's really fantastic and a heck of a job from both schools. But we will uh, preview that game in more detail here in a little bit. To start with, before we get into the picks, Jack, I know the SPC playoff picture is always very convoluted and there's a lot of moving parts. What are the updates as they stand here on October 23rd? Absolutely. So let's start with 4A. Um, Episcopal needed to beat Kincaid by greater than two points, and they did that winning by seven. So Episcopal punches their ticket to the SPC championship. Um, St. John's is 3-0 and going into this Friday, and Kincaid is 2-1. and All St. John's has to do is win, and they're into the title game to rematch against Episcopal. For Kincaid to make the title game, they have to not only win, they have to win by four or more points. So they could win by a field goal theoretically and not make the title game. Knowing Coach Larned, I, I, I am sure that he will do everything in his power to make sure that scenario doesn't happen. A, King, a Kincaid St. John's game hasn't been decided by fewer than about 10 points in, you know, close to a decade. So I'm not sure it's going to get that close, but that's technically where it stands. So, um, and a little bit of history on that. St. John's has not beaten Kincaid. Uh, in the St. John's-Kincaid game since 2012. And Coach Larned has never lost to St. John's as a head coach. The year that they lost in 2012 was his first year as defensive coordinator at Kincaid under the previous head coach. And now we'll move to 3A, where Houston Christian has locked up a spot in the title game. Um, and, you know, interestingly enough, there is a scenario where if Fort Worth Country Day beats Trinity Valley in the Battle of Brian Irvin by eight points, Fort Worth Country Day would play Houston Christian for the title game. So Trinity Valley just needs a win. They'd be five and one. If Fort Worth Country Day wins, they would be four and two. Trinity Valley would be four and two, and Cooper would be four and two. Unfortunately for our friends in the Woodlands, they are eliminated because their point differential is negative two right now. They beat Fort Worth Country Day by seven and lost to Trinity Valley by nine. Seven minus nine is negative two. Uh, country day, or excuse me, country day is currently minus seven and, um, Trinity Valley is plus nine. So if you do the math, Fort Worth country day needs to win by eight or more points, um, on Friday night. Interestingly enough, as Wes mentioned to me in our preparation, Fort Worth country day has not won this, or has not lost this contest in five years. So they could certainly play, play spoiler here. At the same time, this is the most talented Trinity Valley team that there's been in, you know, quite some time. 
So that's that's where it stands for the playoffs. And one other interesting note, um, SPC awards their location, you know, each season to either, you know, the DFW Metroplex area, the greater Houston area, or Austin, because there are a couple of schools in Austin. For uh, Oak Ridge, I believe, is the host school for it, for the SPC in the fall. And it's, um, you know, Oak Ridge is in Arlington. And the site for the football SPC championship is at uh, where you, uh, Trinity play, Trinity High School plays, the, uh, in Euless, I believe, or, or maybe it's in Hearst. Wherever that stadium is, yeah, it's, that it's, houses the Trinity Trojans of Euless. Yeah, it's the HEB Stadium, so it's the Hearst Euless Bedford Stadium. It's like in that area. So you're right. So that is where Houston Christian will play either Country Day or Trinity Valley. However, in 4A, since the three contending teams and Episcopal's already punched their ticket, um, they're all from Houston. The SPC is not going to make them drive up and play the game in Dallas. That game will be played somewhere in Houston. Um, and that location will be TBD. So it will not be like last year where um, you, where the games will be played back-to-back. They will be played, you know, I, I'm not sure what time, but they will be played. One will be in the Metroplex, and one will be in the greater Houston area. Well, that, that disappoints me because I always enjoy games that we have pretty much all of us covering together. Number one, because it makes us a lot more um, effective because one guy can video, one guy can take pictures. But also, I enjoy seeing, you know, everyone that works with us and just have, spending time with them. Uh, last week, I didn't or last year, I didn't get an opportunity to go to the SPC State Championships because of a story that is about 35 minutes long and probably constitutes <laughs> a podcast of its own. But all that being said, yeah. Um, uh, it's every time, anytime SPC, especially 4A and even 3A are brought up, This I've said over and over again, the word that comes to mind is chaos. It is certainly never boring. We are previewing two of those critical, critical matchups, playoff implications on the line. I cannot speak this evening. Uh, it's going to be a great time. But before we get there, we're going to preview a game for the bottom of Division Two, District One, Southwest Christian versus Fort Worth Christian, for our first matchup of the program, we will go down to the bottom of D Two, District One, to analyze a matchup that will send the winner to the postseason and the loser to the couch following the final regular season games. Fort Worth Christian is an interesting case. They're not short on talent by any means, but Luke Dodd, Tucker Ashford, and Kay Croffler are guys who would stand out on most programs in the state. You know, this is seen with big wins over Bishop Dunn, Grace Prep, and Grapevine Faith, but in losses to D.C., Liberty Christian, which is excusable, and Fort Worth All Saints, which is also excusable, the defense has been non-existent. Fort Worth Christian recently gave up 333 rushing yards to McKinney Christian last week, and matching up with against this scheme with sophomore phenoms, Burke Toller and DJ Beasley, you know, I'm going to have to rock with Walker Lots Eagles here in this one. I've gotten burned betting against Southwest Christian already um, this season. Uh, it's not going to happen twice. Um, I, I do really like uh, Southwest Christian's scheme. I do think it's going to give fourth Christian troubles, especially with their front. They've got some guys I just don't think quite enough. Give me SCS in this matchup. Walker, would you like to go next or would you like to round us out? Yeah, I'll 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 go next and make it simple. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, the three hundred and thirty-three rushing yards to Midland Christian last night or last week was huge in my opinion. Uh, to show that I think SES will be able to run the ball on Fort Worth Christian this week. You know they've been very good at running the ball all season. 
Um, when that running attack is going, it's going. And on the other side, I think the defense is going to come ready to play and, you know, kind of hold this fourth Christian team, uh, you know, hold them, hold them to a few points. Um, you know, I, they didn't score at all last week against our Liberty, but they did help hold them to 49 and uh, I think like 24 or something in the first half. So it's not like the worst. That was not the worst loss in the world to a, a team like Argyle Liberty. And so it was definitely not 85 points like Fort Worth Christian got put on him. So uh, give me that. I was going to uh, say that. Yeah. Give me, give me, give me SCS in this one. I think Borg Toller, I think DJ Beasley is going to show out. Shout out to my guy, DJ go ball out brother. Uh, JR Stagall. Uh, Borg Toller, everyone on that team is going to be it's going to be a good day, and um, I can't wait to look at the highlights after the game. Well, Walker, I hope that your um, betting on your team goes better than me betting on my team last week. Um, that was still a gut punch uh, that Grace took against Legacy, but I got I got to tip my hat as I already did earlier on the episode. Jack Closek, we've got two guys on the side of Southwest Christian. Will you make it a clean sweep? So this is an interesting one. Both of these programs, um, you know, Fort Worth Christian was coming off a really good year last year. Um, they had a coaching change. Southwest Christian brought in a legendary coach, I believe, of the Alvarado Indians. Um, Southwest Christian had some high points. They had some wins in, in non-conference, albeit playing against a weaker schedule. Fort Worth Christian showed some flashes. They had a nice win over a public school in Dublin, um, and they beat Great Von Faith. But, you know, maybe losing to Lake Country was a little surprising. Um you know, I, I think that Southwest Christian, like like we like we've discussed, their um, you know they their rushing attack will be effective. But Fort Worth Christian has a lot of talent, um, and I hate to do this, but you know I'm going to rock with Fort Worth Christian. Um, I think that I think that you know wins or uh, wins over Faith. You know, putting up 55 points. Um, you know, scoring 21 against Midland. Um, you know, they, they they can score when they play against. You know, maybe not as not as good opponents, and I think that Southwest Christian is just you know I think both teams are on a down here, but I'm going to rock with Fort Worth Christian. You know they also they also gave me some some coverage when I did an article on their uh, new coach for TXPS Media Group. Got and if you guys haven't checked out the site, please do so because we got some great original content, not just by myself but by Ryan Schroeder and Wes. So I'm going to rock with Fort Worth Christian. Um, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that is a a bad pick at all. I mean, we will see when it's all said and done, but I really do. Whenever, because I watched fourth Christian earlier this season play DC, and while DC did absolutely wallop them, um, guys like Luke Dodd and Kate Crawford really, really stood out for me. I, I think that they have the talent. It's just defensively they struggle so much. And at a disciplined team like Southwest Christian, I think can pound the rock. It's going to be interesting. I've been wrong many times in this program before. Wouldn't be surprised if this is just another in a long line of incorrect assumptions. However, it will be fun to see Friday night. Moving on into another game involving two Eagles. I just realized um, the first four games that we previewed are all four teams. The mascots are the Eagles. So, you know, take that, put that in your trivia book. Brazos Christian will go to Lake Country Christian. Two four and four squads will square off this week as Brazos Christian travels to Fort Worth. Brazos Christian got an all-important win over Northland a couple weeks ago to bolster their resume. And since switching to freshman Cooper Moore at Cooper Murr, excuse me, at quarterback, uh, Brazos Christian has looked improved, especially with Jackson Caffey still contributing from the running back spot. You factor in guys like Chance Locker, Isaiah Perkins, Ben Tillery, Brody Garner, and despite early struggles. 
I think Brazos Christian has the talent and the coaching to make a push in D4. It doesn't make sense to me, you know, some of the losses they've had. Mean Walker went by in the spring, and just looking at them, not even just the top-end talent, but the depth and the kids they have there, I still think this is a dangerous team in D4, no matter what way you slice it. But if we're looking at the flip side of the coin, Lake Country Christian is going to be a tough test for the Eagles, let alone the fact that they're a larger school. It's D3 versus D4. Lake Country Christian got a massive win over an even bigger Fort Worth Country squad, or sorry, Fort Worth Christian squad a few weeks ago, but has struggled recently faltering against Trinity Christian and Colleyville Covenant. Junior quarterback Gannon McElroy is a heck of a dual threat and can give you 400 all-purpose yards on any given night. Seniors Elijah Sherman and River Walden bring talent and experience to this receiving core as the Brazos Christian secondary will undoubtedly be tested in this spot. As for the pick, I'm going to have to roll with Lake Country Christian. Listen, I know I just just backed up Brazos Christian and told you how good they still are, but we've seen them struggle to stop elite passing attacks this year, and I feel like this could lead to a huge performance from McElroy and Sherman. Um, like Brazos Christian a lot, like the bigger school in this matchup, uh, maybe I'll give Brazos Christian fan page something to chirp at me about. Walker Lott, great game here in my opinion. Your thoughts on the matchup? Yeah, I think this is a good one. It's an interesting matchup so late in the season, you know, but I think it's a good one. And I'm excited to see how uh, Brazos Christian especially does against a, you know, division three team, but I'm going to roll with Lake country here. They're, you know, they're the division three team, the higher team. Um, and they're one of the more talented teams in division three this year. So I'm going to roll with them. Um, no shade to Brazos Christian. I just don't, I just think it's a kind of like the other weird one kind of later in the year, TCS Lubbock versus uh, Argyle Liberty. Uh, kind of like two different teams that do different classifications, you know, just the bigger school kind of wins in this one. I'll say it again. They need to fire that game into the sun. There is no way on this planet that game should be played for either squad. We, we had a whole rant about it last episode, so I'll leave it alone. But it, it's it's just ridiculous. Jack Klosek, two more Eagle squads facing off. Who do you side with here? This time it is going to be a clean sweep. I mean, Coach Washington has obviously done a great job with that program. They produce a lot of talent. But, you know, I look at Lake Country's win, you know, a blowout over Fort Worth Christian. They're punching up, beating a D2 team. Um, they beat Cathedral out of El Paso. They've beaten uh, West Oso, who's a solid program, out, out of um, out of uh, Coastal Bend area. You know, some tough losses to TCS Lubbock and Covenant Christian. But um, I think that Brazos Christians still, you know, they've been a little bit disappointing this year. And I don't think that they've um, they've improved enough, maybe per se, to to win this game. I like Lake Country. Um, they, they play a quality non-conference schedule, um, you know, playing ESD, playing Fort Worth Christian, playing West Oso, playing Cathedral. So I'm rocking with Lake Country. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a smart pick here. I could have, I could have, you know, gotten a little risky and taken Brazos Christian because I don't think it's an absolute domination in this spot. But uh, the more I've picked games, the more I realized um, I, I kind of want to stick with with logic and facts if I want to have a shot in this in this pick race with Walker. But moving on into the third game we're going to cover, it is Trinity Valley versus Fort Worth Country Day, a game that we alluded to in Jack's breakdown of the SBC playoff picture. And I will start with this. It's a number. So number five, five years. That is how long it's been since TVS has gotten a win over Fort Worth Country Day. I remember that stat was first brought to my attention whenever we were talking to Matt Morrison 
at our quarterback retreat walker and we were like talking you know kind of cutting it up talking about you know we thought they're gonna be good coming into the season and he immediately said then he's like well we're gonna have to beat country day because i haven't beaten them since i've been coached there and i was like i didn't even realize that and that's that's been in the back of my mind throughout the whole season even as well as tbs has done but keeping that in mind, TVS is undoubtedly the more talented team here. We've spoken at length about the talent of junior quarterback Gavin Parkhurst, running back Ben Nagishu, who I'm a huge fan of, and then offensive lineman Will Scott and linebacker Jacob Maynard. This looks like a championship team, but championship teams not only win the big ones, but they take care of the games they're supposed to win. Country A is taking care of business against Green Hill and Cistercian and lost competitive games against Cooper and Houston Christian. If we're utilizing the transitive property, which I advise against, TVS beat Cooper, who beat Houston Christian. But barring a couple last-minute scores, they had a similar result against Houston Christian in terms of point differential. This to say, Country Day is no pushover. Quarterback Andrew Edwards and wide receiver Cannon Factor are electric when they're on, and TVS did struggle against the pass a little bit against Houston Christian. They'll also trot out about six guys who can run the ball, so the offense is hardly one-dimensional. All this to circle back to the question, is Trinity Valley a championship-caliber team? Mm. I think they are. I think they beat Country Day for the first time in five years here and advance into a fantastic matchup against Houston Christian. I Again, I don't want to look forward to it. They they need to take care of business here if they want to win that game. And I, I, don't, I know I just said they win. I don't think Country Day lays down and dies. Country Day hasn't been dominated in a district game yet this year. I don't think it's going to start with Trinity Valley. I can see this being a one-score game with a couple of minutes left. Walker Lott, uh, two schools that you're familiar with, do you yeah. share the opinion? Yeah, technically, if yeah, kind of it depends on how much Fort Worth you care. Uh, TV, it's it's the battle of Brian Irvin. It's the that's mm-hmm. the name of the rivalry because they're on the same street. And if you go to the end of Brian Irvin and take a little bit of a right, probably two hundred yards down, then there's SES. So not the same street, but basically the same street. Um, I didn't know that actually. Yeah, it's we're all the three of us are all like probably within a couple miles of each other. It's it's on basically one street. Anyways, the Battle of Brian Irvin is one of the best rivalries in all TXPS. These people have been playing this for years. It's a good one. And like you said, Fourth Country Day has had TVS's number. The trophy is also really sick. I really like the trophy. Um, but, it, you know, you could talk about all the hype and all that every year. It's a new year, and you never know. Like, you know, like it always with, like, the rivalry of OU Texas, Texas A&M. It, other games don't matter unless you beat that one team that year. That's how this game is, and that's how – uh, both teams have to use that for Fort Worth Christian and TBS. Like, like uh, Jack said, men- mentioned earlier, this is a massive game for championship implications for both squads. Um, so there's a, even a level more to the, you know, the rivalry in this one. I'm going to go with the more talented team in Trinity Valley. I think you have to, it's the more logical pick, um, but rivalry games, you never know. And just because of that, Fort Worth Country Day is, you know, got them five straight on this game. So you never know in this game. Uh, but I'm going to go with Gavin Parkhurst. I've been, since he was a freshman in high school, I have been talking about him forever. I've talked about the potential that that kid has with same with Maynard and Scott, everyone else on that team, Carter Lee, uh, Luke Williams, everyone. They're a very, very solid squad. And I think they get the win here. So uh, yeah, give me the Trojans in this one. 
Two for two so far on Trinity Valley. Jack Klosek, our SBC analyst, do you see any reason why Fourth Country Day should be the favorite in this game? I'm going to rock with Trinity Valley. Watching them play last year against John Cooper, um, even though they lost, you saw a ton of talent on the field, and Walker Lot turned to me when we were on that sideline and was like, these guys are going to be back here next year, and they're probably going to be the favorites. At the time, we didn't realize how, how good Houston Christian was going to be, but I'm going to rock with the more talented team. Parkhurst, Lee, Scott, Maynard, Nagishu, Williams, the list goes on. Coach Matt Morrison was our SPC um, 3A coach of the year, De has done a great job with that program. Um, you know, they're going to, they are the more talented team. And, but, you know, weird things can happen in rival rivalry games, as our good friend David Cody uh, has, has always said. And I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I'm sure Fort Worth Country Day is going to give them a good fight. But how can you not go with the team that, you know, barring a hiccup against Houston Christian, has just looked absolutely dominant the entire year and boasts, you know, arguably some of the most talent, um, absolutely in SPC 3A, but also of any kind of private school within their classification size. So I'm rolling with the Trojans. Fight on. Well... I get. I think Country Day is probably happy that we have now given them enough bulletin board material to win this game. So if y'all if y'all pull it off, uh, I want partial credit for that. But that being said, we'll be the first of two fantastic SPC matchups this coming Friday. The second being St. John's versus Kincaid at Rice. Uh, Jack, I, I anytime that there is an alum. Um, of one of these schools on the podcast, I feel like it is in the best interest of the show to let them preview the game just because there's there's more of a, a personal connection that I think flows better. So take it away with St. John's and Kincaid. This is absolutely one of the most fun private school football games of the year. The first one I ever went to was in 2014. St. John's ran the veer at that time and Kincaid won 45 to zero. That was Larned's first coach Larned's first year as head coach. He was the interim head coach because um, they had a coaching change midseason in 2013. Um, and from that day on, you know, that event is such a special, special game. You know, when you're younger, getting to see all the all the high school players and going to Rice, watching it at a Division One football stadium is such a cool experience for both schools. There's pep rallies for both schools. There's tailgates at Kincaid. It's called the Falcon Feast. Um, and I've enjoyed a lot of winning, both as a fan and as a player. Kincaid has not lost to St. John's since 2012. Mm. I was in third grade in 2012. I am now a sophomore in college. I don't even want to do the math on how old the guys who were seniors in the, on that 2012 team, how old they are now. It's, it's been a dangerous a long game time. to start playing. <laughs> it's, um, you know, the – the current, you know, St. John's defensive coordinator was coaching at Kincaid at that time. Coach Veltri has has beaten St. John's five times as an offensive coordinator at Kincaid. Kincaid has owned this rivalry for the better part for more than a decade. But with co with change, you know, and and when change came to St. John's in 2019, you started to see improvement. St. John's went six and three. Yes, they lost by. 34 points to Kincaid that year, but the next year they only lost by 28. And the past two seasons, they've only lost by 10. Their offense is, you know, is really, really darn good. 
Stephen Gill has thrown for 1,700-plus yards. Will Hoffrecht has 400-plus yards receiving and five touchdowns. Cole Allen has a whopping 29 touchdowns and almost 1,500 rushing yards on the ground. Last year, he didn't play in this game due to injury. Throw in Logan Donnelly and Michael Murphy, and you know you have a very, very talented St. John's offense with an improved offensive line. They're actually coached by Kincaid alum Tyler Higby, who graduated in 2014, had his share of dominance over St. John's, and later played at Michigan State and in the USFL. In fact, there are five coaches that I can think of off the top of my head in between the two schools who have coached and worked at both at both St. John's and Kincaid. With that being said, Larned has never lost to St. John's. And never, you know, but never is a long time, and things do change. But one thing that doesn't change is that I ride with Kincaid. David Capobianco has shown that, you know, he does, he's not just good when, he can th- when he's throwing to Dylan Bell or Cam Henry or Alex Godsagan. He's found, he's found solid targets in Jordan Manuel and Grant Peterson and Robbie Taylor, who have all stepped up. Miles Rader has been a beast on the ground. Um, and Kincaid's defense with returning 10 starters is much, much stronger than St. John's younger, younger defense. You know, St. John's has probably, you know, arguably the stronger offense, but it's clear as day who has the stronger defense. And defense does win championships. And while I have, you know, while I have, I've been coached by coaches on both sides, have to ride with the dogs. Kincaid football, baby. I got the Falcons winning by greater than four, and I got them returning to the SPC title game, which we'll preview at another time. It's a fun game. It's going to be. What happens in the nightmare scenario? I didn't mean to cut you off, but what happens in the nightmare scenario where Kincaid wins this game by three points? (sighs) I mean, that would it would be devastating. Um. Kincaid would miss the SBC title for the first time since 2016. At that point, all Saints was still in SBC. It was. I was in seventh grade the last time Kincaid wasn't in an SBC title, excluding COVID. So, you know, that was my first year playing football at Kincaid. I played seventh grade football for Kincaid. was one of the best players because I'm the same height I, I am now. I was in seventh grade. You know, ask my teammates that. about that. <laughs> I, play, I played defensive end and I was, I was you know, I was like Lawrence Taylor or, you know, or, or, you know, JJ Watt with throwing little children. I had a defensive touchdown and a safety green, but yeah, all that to be said. uh, Yeah. I I agree with you. It's, it's a fantastic game. It's one of the most, it's one of the most tradition rich games that I can think of off the top of my head that we cover. Um, just like any SBC 4A game that involves St. John's, Kincaid, or EHS, I hate picking it. I hate it because no matter what logic there is involved, it will absolutely be wrong. Listen, St. John's is – Cole Allen will be the best player on the field without without question. He, he is so daggum good. Stephen Gill is going to be the better quarterback. Those two guys alone, that's not even talking about Michael Murphy and Will Hoffrecht. There's just too much daggum, you know, talent and playmakers on St. John's for me to, you know, in good conscience go against them. <sighs> Walker, throw the picture on the screen. <laughs> that's that's why I sent it to you. Um, yeah, I I rode with Kincaid last year. 
um, in a spot that made me uncomfortable. And uncomfortable picks win me games. And I think for all the reasons you brought up, Jack, I think Kincaid will somehow get it done in the spot. I know they got it done last year, and you can say that was without Cole Allen. Um, listen, in, in big games like this, I'm not going to bet against Larned. That is no res- disrespect to Veltri at all. Veltri is a fantastic head coach and is is one of the best in the state, in my opinion. I just cannot go against Larned in the spot. I think Kincaid will somehow find a way, even at a disadvantage talent-wise, to get this done. Give me the Falcons. Walk a lot. So this is basically a win or go home, basically, scenario for both squads, right? Bar- barring the barring the kind of unlikely circumstance that Kincaid wins by a field goal, gotcha. which I would imagine if they were in a situation where Kincaid was driving and, you know, they needed, you know, a score, you know, they could win it with a, with a field goal. I would imagine knowing coach, coach Larned, I, I'd imagine they would be going for a touchdown. I don't think, I think gotcha. he'd rather lose going to, to the SBC, ti- you know, trying to buy for an SBC title than, going then you know kicking the field going winning that game but not making the title um you know i could be wrong on that right knowing him i don't think i don't think i am so it's essentially a win or go home there there is a little bit of a caveat kincaid but it's easier for st john's all they got to do is win i do love a good winner go home situation and um you know a lot of times it's 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 there's so much involved where it's even hard to make the correct pick because you know you 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 don't know if people will come to play come don't come to play what coaching is going to be involved you don't know if you know there's so much involved in a game like this um last time they played you like like you said Wes they were without a man named Cole Allen and in the last you know Last state championship in a game like that, where against EHS and you know Kincaid, the best guy in the field made plays, and that was Michael Bell. Michael Bell basically not carried them, but carried them to a state championship, right? Um, EHS versus Saint uh, Kincaid last week, right? Brandon Thomas, what was it, four or five touchdowns on the ground, like five, exactly, like the best player on the field type of scenario makes plays. And the best player on the field in this scenario will be Cole Allen coming for revenge for his boys of last year. Give me the, give me St. John's man. I think they got it in this one. I think Cole Allen with the rest of their receiving core, the defense, I think, and I think Cole Allen is going to submit himself in the way that just shows that he is probably the best athlete in SBC this year. Um, and I, I'm excited to watch it, man. I, I'm going to go against y'all. I'm going to go St. John's in this one and getting them finally to the state championship. Yeah, I think that's sound analysis. And, you know, I, I you, you can say what you want. I, I think if St. John, just watching that game, I think if St. John's has Cole Allen last year, you know, I think that they do win that game. But, you know, if my aunt had Narch, she'd be my uncle. So you can't really take that with a grain of salt. But, yeah, I, I do think it's going to be a fantastic matchup. Um, it, it's it'll come down to the wire. I can feel it in my bones, and it's going to be just some more fantastic, beautiful chaos in the SPC. But can't talk about that game forever. Have to move on into the final game we will be covering. I say we have to. We actually get to because this is an absolute gift of a game to cover as well. Liberty Christian at Fort Worth All Saints. 
We've had this one written down for a long, long time. The most talent-filled game that we have likely ever cover. This is going to be a movie. Starting with All Saints. Junior Virginia Tech commit Kelvin Ryan is enough to win some games by himself, but he certainly is not alone on the Saints squad. Between athlete Reed Watkins, wide receivers Dougie Daughtard, Comante Williams, and Kevin Daughtard and Darius Colquatt on the defensive end, it's no secret why the Saints are 6-1. and one. But can they upend the best team in the state? Liberty is dominating on a scale that I have yet to see in this division. Winning district games by an average margin of 60-4. to four. That's not a one-off number. The average margin of victory for Liberty Christian is 62-4. Ridiculous. You'd be hard-pressed to find weakness in the squad anywhere. It's insane. With offensive talent like UConn commit called Welliver at quarterback and a receiving core of, here we go, Janicek, Brown, Hawkins, and Stump, and an elite back like Garnett, how do you game plan for them? That's what we talked about at Midland Christian. We're just telling everyone, you can't focus on one dimension of this to stop. It's everywhere. It's an onslaught that feels overwhelming. And that's before mentioning a defense that allows less than a touchdown per game on the season, pitching shutouts in half of their contests. Both CJ and Cooper Witten, Nick Blevins, and Maddox Secchier, I mean, they, they are ridiculous. It's, it's too much talent to even shake a stick at. Can All Saints win this game is the question. Mm. Of course they can. Will they? No. Um... <laughs> Listen, the talent is there certainly to win it, but take a step back, look at this game from an analytical perspective. Give me, either of you, if you have one, tell me, give me one reason that I shouldn't take Liberty Christian in this game based on the season they've had. Is is there anything? I don't think so. It's, it's too much talent. I think that they are honestly going to cakewalk to a championship. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. I don't think I'm wrong now. Give me Liberty Christian. Walk a lot. I, this is going to be a fun one. You know, like you said, we have been circling this one. If I was not, if there was another, if there was not another elite game down in Houston, I would make the three hour drive up to Fort Worth and go watch this one with you, man. Um, Man, this is going to be a fun one. I do think all scenes is coming into their own. I really, really do think so. Um, I think they finally have, you know, after the loss to Anna, which is a great public school team, they've come into their own and, you know, the Midland Christian kind of loss or not lost, but felt like a loss to them probably um, kind of shaped this team to be how dominant they are. They're coming off a bye, they're health, they're healthy, they're rested, they're ready to go. It's, this is going to be a, such a good one. I'm as much as I would love to represent the Fort Worth team in this. I have to go Argyle Liberty. The, the sometimes the stats themselves just you can't argue. Like you said, Wes, you just can't argue the stats and um, the stats go against it. And you know the transit property they beat Plano Prestonwood by more points and gave up less points. I mean, if you want to go by that logic, the the logic of points per game, like you said, it's it's so. This game is going to be so much fun. I do think, though, you know, we talked about it in the whatever the pregame, postgame for Midland last week. The offensive line, if they're still without Keaton Smith, this could be interesting. I will say that. Um, Liberty has not probably faced a defensive line since Prestonwood week one. 
uh, like All Saints. Their offensive, the defensive line with Dalton Knapp and uh, you know others is it's going to be scary. It's going to be really, really scary. Can Nate Humphreys and the rest of the offensive line protect um, Cole Welliver as much as they can to let him, you know, be comfortable and make the passes? Because if that happens, I think they all Liberty wins. But if if Cole Welliver for the first time this year is not really comfortable, could be an interesting ball game. But give me Liberty in this one. The stats can't lie to me like this. Um, but don't 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 uh, whatever what is that. Don't underestimate this All Saints team. They're as talented as anyone else in the state. They have a Virginia Tech quarterback at the helm. They have multiple Division One talents all over the field. And this is going to be a talented field and going to be the most whatever the most talent on a field in private school this year is going to be this game. So it's going to be a fun one. Absolutely, I'm glad you bring up if if Humphreys is going to be back because I think that could be the one potential uh, chink in the armor. Um, if it comes down to it, but again, you're grasping at straws at that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Jack Klosek, two guys on the side of Liberty. Um, you know, you, you, you feel like you, you could say it would be crazy not to take Liberty, but looking at a team like all saints, it really wouldn't be that crazy from a talent standpoint. Who do you have going in this game? It's going to be a clean sweep sweep once again, but that's not to take anything away from all saints. This is, you know, this is the most talented private school versus private school game. Um, you know, you maybe can't say the most talented game because you, overall, because, you know, you have Parrish playing South Oak Cliff or Parrish playing Alito. But in terms of two private schools, this is this is what you want to see. Two fantastic programs, two fantastic leaders and Coach Beck and obviously Jason Witten leading Liberty Christian. Um, no shortage of talent, no shortage of Division One talent, not just, you know, D3 or getting to the next level. This is, these are teams that, you know, can go toe-to-toe with the best of the best with most teams in the state of Texas that could take take on many of many big 6A public schools and win. Um, but I think Liberty has proven they haven't played a competitive game yet. They've, you know, they've beaten teams that are really solid and just absolutely handed it to them. Um you know, that's not to take too much away from all sense because losing to Anna is respectable. That is a that is a top program. There are very few, if any, private school teams in the state that could beat Anna. But, you know, a hiccup against Midland Christian, a team that, you know, Liberty disposed of easily and on the road and via the shutout, I got to go with Liberty. I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a fun game. This is what we want to see on Friday nights. Maybe – um, you know, maybe something we may see again in the playoffs. But, you know, Liberty has a chip on their shoulder after All Saints upset them last year. This game has been marked on their calendar for a long time. I can I can promise you that, especially with a leader like Jason Witten. You know, he's going to get his guys ready. There, there aren't, you know, there aren't that many t- teams that are better in the state. There aren't many better programs in the state, many better coach programs. And you know, in terms of private schools, these are this is as talented as it gets. It's a fun one and one that I will try to tune into in between, you know, me nervous nervously making sure Kincaid takes care of business on Friday. But that's what I got, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you'd be hard pressed to find a better motivator around than Jason Witten. And I think that he'll be pointing back to um he'll be telling everyone all of them to ignore anything that we say because he doesn't want them to think they're the favorites going into this game. He wants to point back to last mm-hmm. year and say, You're the underdog. 
go and take it from them. But it'll be it'll be some fantastic one in a fantastic slate of games this coming week. That being said, that actually concludes all of the content for this episode. So, guys, fantastic previous week of Texas private school football. Even better week on the horizon. Very excited for some elite games. Uh, before we get out of here, Walker Lott, I'll start with you. Any any final words? Man, uh, this week is going to be a good one. You know, the top five games look really good. A lot of rivalries, a lot of implications for playoffs, which is, you know, these games are the games that truly matter to a lot of these teams. Win or go home scenarios for a lot of squads. This is going to be a fun one, guys. I think so. Jack Klosek, final words from your end. This is what it's all about. Battle Brian Irvin. The Kincaid-St. John's game, which they also play for a trophy. It's called the McMillan-Lee Trophy. St. John's is trying to win that for the first time. Um, the trophy was established in 2016, and as I mentioned, St. John's has not uh, ever has not won since 2012, so they've never possessed that trophy. The winner gets to keep their trophy at the school, and that trophy is set proudly for seven years um, in the you know near the Melcher Gym in the Kincaid Athletic Hall. Um, but you know. Also, again, all Saints like Liberty that we hit on, you know, there's no shortage of talent this week. There's going to be a lot of great football. It's what you want to see as a fan, as an alum, as a parent, as a player, as a coach. This is what Texas private school football is about. And I'm so blessed to be able to give uh, credence to it and to highlight it with you guys. And that's what our platform is all about. It's not about us. We nerd out on it, but it's about giving these kids the opportunity to be in the spotlight that they deserve. You know, the old saying goes, uh, they remember November. And gentlemen, we are awfully close to that month of the year. And all these games get even more important as we creep closer to it. Going to be a fantastic finish to a fantastic year. I cannot say how excited I am for it. But as always, I have been one-third of your hosting crew, Wes Tolleson. Walker Lott and Jack Klosek have fantastically been themselves. God bless. Go Rangers. See you in the next episode. Three, two, one.